Welcome. My name is Bill Munhausen, and I'm your host for the Key Gathering Place radio program. What we'll be gathering here is a great many people and their stories. Sometimes it will be a team of local residents to discuss a topic close to home. Other times we will share messages from people in other parts of the country or even around the world. God has equipped all of us to speak life into our community, and this program will be a forum for people to share as God builds his kingdom among us. No subject is too big or too small, because everyone's story is unique. Today I'm joined by the team of people who are making this program possible. With me are Stacy Shore, Deanna Walton, David Batty, Matt Burns, and Ike Skelton. Each of us are activists or advocates, but we didn't want to just launch into a discussion of issues without you understanding the foundation of faith that directs our paths. I had this thought. A lot of people in the church are distrustful, I could say, or double-minded about how they should be in, in society. A lot of people say we shouldn't get into politics because politics is a dirty business. It's not an honorable thing to be in, and so don't do that. And there's a lot of good scripture that reinforces that. Paul used to tell us in various scriptures to honor the government. Don't defy the government. Also, though, Peter, when he was told not to spread the gospel, he defied the governing authority. So with that introduction, how does faith interact with what you do and what you believe in? Well, you brought up about how uh, Christians today in America may feel a little uh, dual-minded about whether they can or cannot participate or whether they should or should not participate. And I think that if they would read the founding of our nation and read anything coming from the overwhelming majority of our founders— they would very easily and quickly recognize that not only did our founders heavily believe in God as a creator and their guidance, they recognized, and for the first time in, I think, the history of the world, that a group of people realized that our rights didn't come from any king. They came directly from God himself. When they put our founding documents together, they wanted uh, to recognize that, to give God the honor that that's where it came from. As you read the history of other governments around the world, you won't see anything like that. Today's Christians should be able to easily recognize they're not only uh, should they get involved in politics, but it's a requirement. Okay, to add to that, so here is my challenge, and this is how I look at it. A lot of people will say you can't mix politics and religion. Jesus was an activist. People want to put Jesus in a box and say he was meek and he was mild. But when you really understand and you dig into the New Testament and you track you know, Jesus' path, he did not go in to necessarily be a peacemaker. Yes, he was meek. But the difference is meek does not mean weak. So Jesus went in and he challenged authority in a very respectful way. But he asked the questions and demanded answers. He, he was not necessarily liked. So I think that the very important thing that I feel as a believer, that everything we do, we have fit into that structure when we're being called. Do we just say, oh, well, whatever will be, will be? Or do we feel or need to be commissioned to be engaged and involved? At some point, there'll be a time to be engaged and involved, but will it be too late? We have the power now to get ahead of it and to ask the right questions and to protect our rights as Christians or just as ordinary citizens. If we would all just do a little bit, that would add to a lot. Rather than just a few of us getting involved, we're commissioned as believers to seek answers to questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to challenge authority if we seek truth. I just want to read, this is a scripture that, that speaks to me. 
It's First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. If that's how you live your life, even when it comes to your activism, I think that as long as you do it with gentleness and respect, but with the affirmation of knowing the truth, then it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be involved. I think, too, if we look at it as um, our unique position in history, being in America, being Americans, when, when we're talking about activism and, say, questioning authority, it's actually our right to do that. We're operating at a very unique time. And, and say, in Bible times when they were being persecuted, they actually did not have the type of government that we have today. And we're obviously, we do have fear and trepidation that that could go away, that we could lose that. But right now, we have those freedoms, and it's our responsibility to be able to take the freedoms that we have and utilize them for the benefit of those around us. And two, we just have a really unique time in history to be able to stand for truth, stand for the word, stand for justice. That's actually a neat rabbit trail because back when in the first century, what choice did they have but to obey the government? So we have a very different status now in our dealing with government because the government answers to us. We are the government in some sense. One of the things that I was thinking about today that I would recommend everyone go back and look at is I've um, been compelled this past year or so to study the early church fathers. And by those, I would mean like Polycarp, Irenaeus, um, or Irenaeus, Eusebius, all of those people who were in that time period. You know, Polycarp was martyred basically because he wouldn't worship Caesar. And there's actually, there's a movie called Polycarp. It's on um, Amazon Prime. So I highly recommend watching that movie. Gosh, it impacted me so much. And I actually, I had my son watch it as well because the time period that they lived in, we have such a privilege today to be able to stand up and not have to face the lions at that point. But going forward to know that this is such a small area of the world, it brings it into the perspective that I've been very privileged in America, but the rest of the world really actually faces what they faced in that time period. And so what really informs like what you're talking about? So what do we do? We're propelled to go so much further than they could have. So we take the principles of the Bible and we we learn what Polycarp stood for. We learn what the early church fathers went through at that time period. And then we're propelled by the position that we have to go so much further um, with that. So I encourage everyone to, to study that because one of the things, I don't necessarily know if I would say I fear it, this rise of centralized power, global authority, you know, coming back to a system that like Caesar is king. And if you don't abide by these standards, then things that would conflict with our faith, then we could, you know, suffer consequences. You know, Bill, you, uh, you mentioned that we are the government. And I guess my question would be, are, are we really because if we are, then we have an obligation to do something about it. This is a scripture that kind of speaks to me, and it's Romans fourteen eleven. And it says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. What are we going to say when we have to bow and we have to confess that we did nothing and we just stood around and waited for the end? People need to think that that might be a challenge that we are facing for a reason. And if politics have become nasty to the point where we don't want to be involved, well, maybe it's because we've not been involved that they've gotten that nasty. Whenever you are facing evil in this world and there are things that our government is complicit in, 
we have an obligation to do something about it. We have an obligation to stop it, and I believe that's a challenge that God is uh, presenting us with. Uh, Matt, I would say you're 100% correct about that. That is exactly right, and that's exactly why we are supposed to do something. You know, God doesn't need our help. I think we all know that, but he expects us to. I would love to see the end of legal abortion, but will we ever really see that? I don't know before Christ returns. I don't know if we will, and maybe we're not going to, and maybe we're not even supposed to. And we, we will be asked, did you try? And to your, your um, points earlier, you know, the different time then and the different time now, are we starting to come back around to that? You mentioned the one world government, how the left, well, that is where Satan has housed himself uh, to some extent, is in, in that, that side. In that, they are trying to eradicate, and we'll say they, there are some within them, trying to eradicate God from our public schools, from the streets, from our buildings, our public buildings, everything. They're trying to eradicate God. So we're getting, we're coming back around to that circle uh, to where we are going to be persecuted again. If there are not some being now, uh, we certainly will be persecuted. And the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? The whole idea of having the courage to be hated. That's a pretty bold statement. But as Christians, we answer in the end to meet my maker and for him to ask me, when I tugged at your heart, did you go? Well, God, everyone been so mad. I mean, people would have talked terribly about me. I mean, are we willing to have the courage to be hated if it means that we stand for what is right? We stand for what our faith represents. The Bible is just this amazing roadmap for us. And it's not something to hide behind, but it's something that to try to interpret that and weave that into every aspect of my life. But if God says go, we're commissioned to go. And I think especially for all of us in the room that have children, they're watching us. As Christians, we cannot act from a place of fear. Right now in our colleges and universities, there's First Amendment zones. Incredibly dangerous that they put people in small boxes and say, you can only speak here. Really take that in. That's completely unconstitutional. And it's a threat to my beliefs as a Christian or just my beliefs as an American. But if we stand for that, it'll continue to erode further and further until we begin to use our voice, voices in unison as believers. We have power. We're the majority, right? By the way, our government is shifting. If we would act in unison, we have so much power for good, but we've just not embraced it. And so I think that's the real travesty of, you know, the Christians and the political realm. It's time that we harness the power for good. And move forward and really make some bold changes because God is watching. I'd like to ask you all about the divide in America. What is the solution? Is it a purely political solution or is it necessary to change people's minds? I mean, you talk about the universities and their uh, First Amendment zones, but universities used to be the most free places in the world. It used to be a place where free thinkers went, and now it's flipped the other way. So do we have a social issue that we're addressing or a political one? Do we have a spiritual one? And how do you, how do you address it best? Well, Bill, address it best is, of course, a big, a big question. Um, Stacy was mentioning over there. It, I totally believe it's spiritual. Uh, but it's so vital that, that we uh, are solid in our, in, our, uh, in our thinking and our beliefs. I know a number of people in the circles I run in that if I asked them why they believed what they believed, 
they would be pressed to really verbalize it to me. So it's, it's vitally important. If you out there, if any of you feel stirred and, and, and called to just jump into things, it's so vital that you first checked in with your worldview, that it's a biblical worldview and why, and the things you believe. Why do you believe those things? You know, the question I hear is, uh, you know, what's the role of the church in society? What's the role? But I, but I see it very simply put, loving God, loving your neighbor, and, and, and being unified to speak to what you were talking about, Bill. Being unified in the Christ Jesus, Lord of all. Because there's a price that's paid. So it's vital that, you're, that you've sought and that you seek the will of God in what you get involved in. Because there is a cost that will be paid. And, and outside of the will of God, we all know people that have jumped off and took off flying down this cause. And ran into wall after wall and got beat up. We're dual citizens. And we can never forget that, you know. We're citizens of this country, and that has meaning. But we're citizens of the kingdom of God. You know, everything has got to pass through that authority. For instance, does does God allow bad things to happen for his own purposes? Are we called to step into every injustice we see? I'll go on a limb here, but I'd say we probably have a couple of A-type personalities uh, in this room right now. So it's especially challenging for A-type personalities because where we typically go when we're faced with a challenge is we go and we visualize the solution. We visualize it solved and we work backwards putting our strategy together. Uh, we just we just have to be careful we don't run ahead of the Holy Spirit in our, in our, our citizenship in the kingdom of God. For us, it's like, uh, well, I've been there. I'm a believer. I've got that. That's put away. I'm packing that away. Now I'm going on with what I need to be about. And you can't do that. You have to revisit it. It's always been about you and the Father, not about man and man. Now, David said a lot of stuff there. (laughs) But but one thing that really, um, in particular, was the idea of unity and believing in truth. I think that's one of the things the church is really struggling with because we don't have a shared idea of what is true any longer. We have all of these different denominations and subtly different ways of looking at things. For a couple of years, David and I worked together here at, at the Creation Expo, the Creation Museum here in Camdenton, and we'd have all kinds of people come in with all kinds of opinions about stuff, and many of them were Christians. Christians believe that God used evolution, some believe that God created in six days, and some believe there's a, a billions-of-year gap between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and some had a had a vision and and believe what what they heard in a vision from from the spiritual realm and we've had all of those different ideas and that's just about creation when it comes to how to interact with government how to how to live everybody is a little bit different and so i think that's why we see christians not voting as a block all all denominations have their peculiar ideas and all churches have their peculiar ideas so it's really hard to find unity in all of that and so maybe what David also said is we have to have Christ in our lives. And maybe that's why many people have reverted to more the one-on-one ministering to individuals rather than getting involved in big issues. We can see as believers one-on-one how that can work. We have a harder time seeing how we can have a, be a united block affecting the whole culture. 
could talk a lot more about all that, but um, I just wanted to speak to one thing that David had said, and it's something that I actually wrote down today when I was thinking about the question, if it's nearing the end, you know, what's the point of trying to fix things? And um, one thing I wrote down was I don't look at our active role in the end times as that of trying to fix things. Um, Our role is just to be ready for the return of our king, you know, the groom. Our role is to demonstrate an already but not yet kingdom whose king is supreme above all other governments when it comes to worship and loyalty. And that's kind of what you're talking about is we anticipate what the kingdom is, and that's our focus. We have Christ in us, and we operate in that kingdom. Um, And I think there are many ways that we do demonstrate that kingdom. We actively participate in society with our biblical worldview. And so I think what you said about having that biblical worldview, like checking in with yourself, like what is my biblical worldview? And I think that would be a topic all in of itself is is to like talk to people out there and like explain like what is a biblical world view i think that would be very important to to touch upon and maybe even share what we believe that is for us and give people an idea of like gosh where do i start thinking about that and so i feel you know we speak truth we do justice we look after the poor and the weak of our society we live generously and then we fearlessly have unwavering loyalty to the god of the bible as an imager of god we're set apart to represent god to demonstrate his rule of right and wrong and justice on the earth um, that all men are created equal and valuable and should be treated fairly and i think that's that's the the values that play out in society, in our community, in our government, our politics. What we're allowed to do here in America, we have to keep those principles in front of us and that worldview in check. You know, there is even a passage in the Bible that mentions that if they're not going to work, then they don't need to eat. And they were talking about the times when they thought that Jesus was just coming right around the corner. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to sit there and not do anything. I also think that our that our Constitution, it's, it's a little set up to be infiltrated. Because what were we, what did uh, uh, Adams, uh, uh, John Adams, I believe it was, said that you know our our Constitution is set up for a holy, a holy uh, uh, Bible thinking people and a, and a just people. And it, uh, as we continue to to leave God out in this world, then we are going to pervert the Constitution more and more every day. I would love to see a George Whitfield type of of. Uh, uh, of of reawakening in this country and you know and and just and, and maybe that's not going to happen so great so then I have to wonder then if a, if the Constitution and our set of government and God is absolutely love absolutely but we better remember that He is judgment and He is justice we have to keep thinking about those things and uh, we maybe we're at a point maybe America has gotten too big for the Constitution that we have if that's true if because part of being free in America is living kind of the way you want to live. But if it isn't through God's precepts, then it's not going to last. If you want to live the way you want to live, but not under godly precepts, then, you know, maybe we're at a point. Well, actually, that was kind of a, a neat thing that you just said. Maybe we're too big a nation. I have a friend, and we, we always argue about constitutionality of things, and sometimes I think he thinks I'm mad at him, but we're, we're just trying to come to the truth, each of us. But he believes that it's time for America to divide, for, there, for it to divide into two or three separate countries. And there may be a, a country of conservatives who honor God and want to live according to godly principles and want to live according to the original Constitution, and there may be those people in some other places, <laughs> like California, where they want to have more of a socialist society. 
Speaking to your point about how our Constitution is kind of set up, in a sense, to be infiltrated, we're not very good at being judgmental. We welcome all people. We uh, grant them freedoms. We want to, them to be integrated into society. We want to love them. We want to be Christian toward them. At the same time, some of the people who are coming into the country may wish us harm. We'd love to have open borders in a perfect world. We'd love to welcome everybody into our country, but we don't know all the people who are coming in and what their intent is. There are places that are dangerous now. I, I, let me talk about Europe, because I, I kind of watch the news from Europe. There are like no-go zones in parts of Europe because uh, Muslims have moved in, and Muslims in their own country are can be perfectly nice people, but when they move into a foreign country, they're like a different culture. And you have these two different cultures kind of clashing, kind of keeping separate, and you end up with a divided country. And it's all because Western civilization wants to be welcoming. Okay, so let, let's talk about that just quickly, because I think that we want to be welcoming, yes, but within the parameters of what our law allow, our laws allow. So the fact is, when you look at the, the countries that are... Um, that embrace Islam. They're not consistent with our belief systems. I'm just going to speak to Sharia law as a woman. There's no place for Sharia law to govern anywhere in the United States of America when we have a constitution, if you look at it through the lens of a woman. So it's incredibly important. We've sat under Bill Federer's teachings more than once. My children have sat under his teachings because it's very easy to be misguided and given misinformation and, you know, just let them live, live and let live. That is not, that's not compatible with who we are. So to say, let them break off and do their thing, I say no way. This is the United States of America. Our constitution should reign supreme, period. The interpretation really isn't terribly ambiguous when you go back to the origins. And so it is about going back to the origins of really what the intent was. That's what we do with legislation every single day. What was the intent of how it was written? That's how we interpret in our court systems. What was the original intent? We're commissioned to stand and not act from a place of fear, but from a place of authority. And so if the Lord has inspired us or if God's inspired truth in us, then we have to carry that out. I don't know what the consequences of that may bring. I don't know who's going to receive it or not. And so if that makes people uncomfortable, so be it. Because as Christians, we're, it's like we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Truth is truth, period. And it's going to hurt people's feelings in this society that we live in, potentially. But we have to be unfettered and unwavering in our need to bring his truth forward and the interpretation I believe is not that difficult I think a lot of people want to make it difficult because they're uncomfortable with what the truth looks like so I just don't believe confusion really is of God I don't think it's that confusing here's the here's the yeah but <laughs> yeah but we have a lot of people in America who don't believe in God they don't share our values and they also have their rights. They have a right to be part of our society. It becomes difficult for us to stand up for Christian beliefs while also accommodating non-Christian beliefs, while also accommodating uh, Islamic beliefs or, or any other religion that hap happens to come. And I think this was a strategy also, uh, the idea that we want to be diverse. The, the whole idea of a nation, of nationhood, is similar people with a similar cultural background all being united to form a country. 
when you start bringing in all other cultures, that sounds nice, and it can be enjoyable for a while, but it eventually leads to all this fragmentation where you don't have shared values, you don't have the same beliefs. The reason I think it's a strategy is I think progressives think that they can bring about world peace by doing away with the idea of nationhood, by homogenizing all cultures. You know, Bill, you asked earlier, what, you know, how do we solve the divide, uh, you know, not just in America, but in, you know, uh, with believers in different churches and religions? And I don't think we have to, you know, figure that out or solve it. Why can't we just get two or three of the big things and fix those? Like, uh, I don't know, how about we protect innocent life? We protect the constitutional rights of citizens. Why can't we all come together for that? Talking about the, uh, the right to life. Uh, you know, it gets so mucked up. But all that needs to be done is define life. It's already defined, actually. It just, it needs to be, um, uh, we need some courageous, courageous people to stand up and say it is a life. Uh, you know, ever since the fall, man's uh, been wise in his own mind. And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom scripture for a reason. God would have us lay man's wisdom down and seek his wisdom. Uh, Stacy talks about the truth, absolutely. Putting the truth out there. I love the picture of shining light into darkness because uh, that is the way. What happens after then, where the world goes, it's in God's hands. But we're to be active in shining the light in these very, very evil, dark places. I think the purpose of, of the this session has been solved, in a sense, because we're revealing how complex things are and how our faith kind of speaks into everything that we do. The church, members of the church, all of us, we are all thinking of this very seriously. We're, it's, we're not just taking a simple-minded approach to anything because all of these issues are complex and we're dealing with them intellectually, we're dealing with them spiritually, we're praying through things, and we're having fellowship together to talk about it. This is really what the church should be doing. It should be talking about every issue that's involved in society. Get involved in any way you want to, but you have to be involved in the thought. Okay, another topic that affects how Christians interact with society is our view of the end times, eschatology. And there are several different schools of eschatology, and that makes things complicated. But um, I just kind of like to have a discussion, an open discussion. 